Well, good afternoon. Thanks so much for staying again and for being here. We're glad that you're here. If you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter number 6 is where we're going to begin this, this afternoon, Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're glad to have so many families here and just want to give one quick reminder uh, for all of you children, I guess ages 12 and younger, uh, we have a, a sermon notes handout for you. And so it's a little bit different than the one we gave the adults, but we have one special for you. And so this week, if you do a good job and listen and take notes at all on that piece of paper, after the service, I want you to go by and see Miss Jackie, okay? She has a special gift for you. So you got to take notes on that paper. If you need one, go get one now. But if you do a good job and take, take some notes, you go see Miss Jackie, and she has a gift for you after the service this afternoon, all right? Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin our service this afternoon. Father, Lord, we, we thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your word here again. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts uh, Lord, I need you this afternoon. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Lord, we don't want to waste our time here, but we know that you have something here in your word. We know that it's profitable, and I ask that you'd just challenge our hearts with it. Help us to be ready to respond, to be doers, and Lord, we're thankful for what we're going to learn. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we began our new series called Ignite. You can see it up there on the screen. Ignite, Rediscovering a, La a Lost Passion for God. And last week we began in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, and we looked at the letter to the Ephesian church. There were seven letters, Pastor Yeomans mentioned one of them in his sermon this morning, seven letters to seven churches, and the first letter was to the Ephesian church. And we saw that the Ephesian church, in this letter from the Apostle John, did a lot of things right. A lot of things on the outside, you could look at that church and say, what an incredible church. But yet John had something against the church because though everything was great and, and so many things looked so good on the outside, he, he had a problem because they had lost their first love. And we saw that if we get everything right on the outside but we lose our first love and we've lost our heart and our, our devotion for Christ, we've lost everything. And we saw some characteristics from that text in Revelation chapter 2 of those who have lost their first love, their, their love for God. We also saw that in Matthew, that Jesus, when arguing with the Pharisees or debating the Pharisees, he tells them that the greatest commandment in all the law was that they should love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. And so we saw that even though we could be faithfully serving the Lord and standing for truth and discerning right from wrong and trying to live set-apart lives, if we've lost our desire and our heart for God, then we're not where he wants us to be. They're meaningless if we've lost our love and our devotion and our hearts have grown cold towards God. And that's why we have this series in an attempt to reignite that passion and rediscover our, our first love for God. And right at the end of the message last week, I gave you three steps that John gave the church moving forward. I just touched on them uh, last week. He told them, number one, to repent. Oh, sorry, number one, to remember. Number two, to repent. And number three, to return. This afternoon, I'd like to spend some time looking at the first of those three words. We're going to look at what it means to remember, specifically what it looks like to remember as a means of reigniting our last, lost passion for God. About a month ago, Alom and I celebrated our anniversary. June 23rd is our anniversary. That's when we got married. And it may not seem like a lot to you guys, but we've been married for four years, and that was pretty exciting for us, right? So we're, we're entering now. We've officially entered into our fifth year of marriage, so we're excited about that. And anniversaries are special times for a reason. They're a good time to kind of 
reflect, and to use the word we'll spend a lot of time talking about today, to remember, to think back. And, and for our anniversary, can you think back at our relationship? And think back at certain milestones in our relationship all the way from the beginning. You know, the summer is a special time for Aloma and I because we got married in the month of June. I proposed to her in the month of July, and we met in the month of August. So we're just celebrating all summer long, all right? In August coming up, we celebrate, we call it our camp anniversary. We met at camp when we were just teenagers. This summer will be 12 years since Alone and I met at camp. It's been a long time. And so over those 12 years, we have a lot of milestones that we can look back at in our relationship. We can think of those first days, and we can think about our dating relationship. We kind of went from high school and went to college together. And then remember uh, engagement and what that was like and preparing for a wedding. And then, of course, on your anniversary, you celebrate that wedding and think back to the special day. You can think back to that first year of marriage and all the excitement and the, all of those uh, firsts together. You know, your first uh, apartment and your first vacation and your first house and all those special things you got to enjoy. You know, we can look back at an anniversary and, and definitely remember highlights and remember events, but it's also important on an anniversary to look back and to remember the person who you made a commitment to. Hopefully you haven't forgotten who you're married to. Um, but, but to really spend some time remembering the person and the commitment, the vows that you made in that relationship. I can remember some of the, the vows. We have them written down and think back about the, the promises and commitments we made to each other. I can think back to what it was like to be a, a teenage guy who got my eye caught by a loma and went home and told my mom I found this girl and it's the greatest girl I've ever met in my whole life and I still feel that way. Remember what I, first attracted me to her and what I love about her and still love. And now as time has gone by, you can see how she's grown and changed and how some of those things are the same, but some of those things have grown and changed and it's different. And anniversaries are a special time to go back and to do that. You say, why is anniversary so important and why is it so important to remember? I believe it's because forgetfulness is an enemy of passion, but remembering stirs the heart. If I'm not careful, even in just four years, I can begin to forget. Forget what it was that I first loved about Aloma and forget those vows that we made on our wedding days. And you can begin to sort of lose the memory of the special uh, milestones and the history that you have together. And so every once in a while, at least once a year on an anniversary, it's good to kind of stir our heart up to remember what it is that's so special and to be renewed to a, a new passion and dedication for each other. So with that in mind, I want us to go to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy gets its name from a Greek word, in the Greek Septuagint. I'm going to mess this word up, so just stick with me. Deuteronomion. It's probably not right. But it means the second law. That's what Deuteronomy means. It's the second law. It's Moses retelling the law that we've already seen in the Old Testament in the books of Exodus and Leviticus. Moses is retelling it to the children of Israel. The first part of this book begins with Moses kind of recapping the story of the Israelites. How God had brought them out of Egypt and bondage and how God has led them through the wilderness. And I want you to notice something very important happens at the end of the first chapter of Deuteronomy. Moses reminds the children of Israel that because of their murmuring, their complaining, and, and really ultimately because of their unbelief, Apart from Caleb and Joshua, there's a whole generation, Moses included, of Israelites who are going to miss out on the promised land. And so when Moses is retelling the law here in Deuteronomy, he's using a lot of language. He's speaking to people who will be in the promised land. 
which tells us this, that Deuteronomy specifically, Moses is talking to the next generation of Israelites. He's telling them about their fathers and their forefathers and their mother's sins and their failures and also the way God blessed them. And he's trying to encourage the next generation to faithful living for God. He's like, hey, this is, where, uh, this is how God proved himself to your parents, and this is where you went wrong. And he wants to remind them of the covenant that God has made with their families and with Israel. He wants to encourage them to love and obey God in a way that their parents didn't always do. One of the key verses is where I'd like to start here. One of the key verses in all, or passages in all of the book of Deuteronomy, it's in chapter 6. Look with me at verse number 4. These should be familiar verses. The Bible says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets before thy, between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. This is the same Old Testament law that Jesus was referencing in Matthew when he spoke to the Pharisees. You see, Moses is telling the younger generation, hey, I want to remind you about God's goodness and God's faithfulness. I want to remind you, I want to retell you the law. Why? So that you remember to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. He knows that if we're not careful and we forget what God has done and we forget where we've been, that we might forget the very important truth and the very key aspect is that we are to love God with all of our hearts. You know, 14 times in the book of Deuteronomy, specifically, we see the word remember. And many other times you see phrases like this, forget not, or don't forget, or forget thou not. Moses is just telling these young people, hey, don't forget this, don't forget this, remember this, remember this. Why? Because he wants them to be spurred on in their love, their commitment, and their devotion for Christ. So what I want to do in the next few minutes is to look at a few of these times where Moses uses the word remember here in the middle part of Deuteronomy and see if we can't learn something in our own lives about how we can be spurred on to a greater passion, love, and devotion for Christ. And so I want you to look with me first at Deuteronomy chapter 5, and let's look at verse 15. The Bible says this, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by an, a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commandeth thee to keep the Sabbath day. The first thing I'd like us to notice this, this afternoon is that we need to remember how God delivered you. Remember how God delivered you. Moses begins by calling on the Israelites to remember that they were born into slavery in Egypt. Remember that they were owned by Pharaoh with no freedom. That they were servants and slaves to another. All throughout scripture, the Bible uses Egypt as a picture of sin and the world. And Moses is telling the, the Israelites, hey, you were, many of you, probably born into a system where you were servants to Pharaoh and to Egypt. You were a servant, a slave, and God has delivered you from that. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what God has done for you. We must remember today that God has saved us and delivered us from our sin. The Bible is very clear that we are born in slavery to sin. 
Pastor Yomas is going through a series in Romans right now, and he's dealing on this with this on a level that I'm not going to touch at this afternoon. But I want to read just a couple verses for you from Romans chapter 6. The Bible says this in verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but have been but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. We see here in Romans, the, the Bible's teaching us, hey, you were born a slave to your sin. Every single one of us here is a servant to something. We were a servant to something. We were born in slavery and servant to our sin. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, as Ephesians tells us. And, and Jesus, if we've accepted the doctrine that's been given to us by faith, then we have been born again and passed. So we're not slaves to our sin anymore, but we can be slaves to Christ and slaves to freedom, slaves to righteousness. And, and here in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is like, hey, don't forget the fact that you were slaves in Egypt. And church, I want to tell you, don't forget that we're sinners. And that without God's deliverance in our life, that's who we are. That's where we're destined to live a life in slavery to sin and a life of separation from God forever. Sometimes it's very easy for us to forget that. We focus on the grace and the mercy of God, which is absolutely wonderful and beautiful. But it's sometimes so much so that we forget the fact that we're simply sinners. Uh, just last Sunday after the service, I was talking to Josh. And Josh was telling me some of the things um, that God was doing in his life, some things that he was learning and kind of the way that God had brought a certain messages and, and passages he had read all together. And it was a really encouragement to me. And in church, I want to just commend Josh and commend you that when God does something in your life and you're learning something, just share it with someone else. It's good for you and it's good for them. It's a blessing and encouragement. So thank you, Josh. But Josh was telling me about how... Uh, he was, he was studying, and he, and he heard, a, I think it was a pastor preaching about Psalm chapter 51. Now, Psalm 51 is the prayer of repentance or a confession by David after his great sin with Bathsheba. And many biblical scholars agree that that, that prayer, that psalm, was written many, many months after the sin took place. Maybe up to nine months later. But yet I want you to listen and, and, and watch the language that David uses when he discusses his sin in verse 3 of Psalm 51. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions, listen to this, and my sin is ever before me. His sin is ever before him. Not to say that he's constantly, continually living in his sin, but it's that he hasn't forgotten the depths of his sin. He hasn't allowed himself to move past the fact that he was a sinner who did something greatly wrong and God has saved him and restored him to fellowship and relationship with him. We're so quick sometimes to move past our sin. And I'm not saying you need to live in your past or live in your sin or live in your shame, but we need to be careful to get over our sin to the point where we don't remember what an amazing and gracious thing it was that God delivered us from our sin. Want to be reignited to passion? Moses is telling the, the, the children of Israelites, hey, remember that you were servants to sin. You were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And church, I want to tell you not to forget that, that God has delivered you from your sin. If you put your faith in him, you're free. Not to serve sin anymore, but to serve freedom, to serve God, and to serve righteousness. Isn't it cool that in this same verse, uh, Romans, or sorry, Deuteronomy 5.15, at the end of the verse, it says this, Therefore the Lord thy God commandeth thee to keep the Sabbath day. 
I find it so cool that on the same verse he's telling us to remember that we were freed from our sin, he also references it's important to keep the Sabbath day. Why? Because what was the purpose of the Sabbath? To take a day to stop, to rest, and to remember. He's like, hey, the whole reason that God gave you the Sabbath is so that you don't get living your life in such a busy breakneck pace that you forget your creator God who loved you and delivered you from your sin. So church, I want to tell you the same thing. Don't get living your life at such a pace that you forget that your sin is no longer before you, that you don't remember who you were and what amazing things God has done for you. So number one, remember that God has delivered you. Number two, I want you to look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Turn over to chapter 8 with me. And we're going to read starting in verse number 2. The Bible says this, And thou shalt remember, here's that word again, all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed, fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither do thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. We shouldn't just remember this, this afternoon that God has delivered us, but we got to remember what God has brought you through. Here, Moses is shifting his attention not just to the exodus out of Egypt, but he's, he's, he's shifting their attention to, to remember how God had led them through the wilderness. You see, God didn't just leave them, uh, bring them out of Egypt to leave them alone. God was very much in step and leading and guiding them every step of the way during the wilderness journey. If you know anything about the wilderness journey for the children of Israel, uh, you know that it was a difficult time. It was full of challenges and tests and proving of their faith. Everything God allowed them to go through, he allowed them to experience for a purpose and for a reason. Remember that God is a sovereign God. Nothing takes him by surprise. Everything they went through is for a purpose and a reason, and everything you go through is for a purpose and for a reason. Notice with me in verse 3. He allowed them to hunger he says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. Why did he allow them to hunger? So they would understand the importance of God's word. He's like, hey, you don't just live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, I made you hungry so you would learn to value my word. Verse 4, he caused their clothes not to grow old, and he gave them physical protection. Their feet did not swell along the journey. Why, did he te- why would he do that? Because he wanted to teach them of his constant care his protection, and his provision. He wanted them to know that wherever God guides you, God provides you, and he protects you, and he goes along with you. He was constantly caring for us every step of the journey. Look at verse 5. He chastens them because he loves them the way a father loves his son. Why did he do that? Because he, he wanted to teach them that true love always leads to obedience and that they should remember to walk in the ways of the Lord. God was with them every step of the way along the journey, teaching them, leading them, guiding them, providing for them. Church family, here's what I want you to know. Everything 
that God allows in your life is for a reason. I want you to think back right now. They say hindsight is 2020, right? So think back on your life. It's sometimes so difficult to see the hand of God in the moment because we are so short-sighted. We don't see what God is doing. We don't see how his hand is working. And sometimes we can ask those questions. God, what are you doing? Why would you allow me to go through that? But when we look back, so many times we can see how God was sovereignly leading us teaching us, growing us, helping us to avoid pitfalls, trying to teach us to rely upon him. He was teaching us lessons that we needed to learn. He was helping to make us and mold us into the image of his son, Jesus, because that's what he does. His way is best, and he's involved in every single step of your life. And if we look back, we can remember all the things that God has brought us through to get to the point where we are. See the hardships that God let you go through so you would learn to rely upon him. See the way he protected and provided for you so you would learn to trust him and have faith in him. See the lessons, the hard lessons you had to learn the hard way. See the chastening he gave you, reminding you to walk in his ways and to live a life of obedience. We can see that when we look back and remember how God was with us every step of the journey. So remember how he delivered you. Remember what God brought you through. But let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 again. Let's look at verse number 11 for our last point this afternoon. The Bible says this in verse 11, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, and in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Jump down with me to verse 17. The Bible says, And thou shalt say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth thee power to to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto his fathers, as it is this day. Remember lastly this afternoon how God has blessed you. He's not just delivered you, and he's not just brought you through, but he's blessed you and will continue to bless you as his child. Moses reminds the children of Israel here, he's like, hey, everything you have in your life is from the Lord. It was God that led you. It was God that fed you. It was God who gave you wealth. Why did he give you these blessings? You notice what the Bible said there? Because he was establishing his covenant. He said, hey, I made a promise with your nation. I made a promise with your forefathers that I would go with you, that I would bless you, a land, a seed, and blessing, that I would be your God. And hey, newsflash, I kept up my end of the agreement. I was who I said I was. I kept my promises. Look at all the ways I've blessed you. Moses is like, hey, next generation, don't forget. Look at the hand of God. Look at the way he's blessed you. We must know that everything we have in this life is from God. James chapter 1, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every blessing we have received or will receive is a gift from God. God, because of his great love and mercy, he blessed, he provided for, he redeemed, and he gave a promised land to the children of Israel. Doesn't that sound a lot like what God has done for us? He redeemed us, he blessed us, he led us, and he offers us a blessed hope of heaven one day. 
God has given us so much, so many blessings for those who are his children today and in the future. And we must look to see the hand of God and see God's blessing. Remember God's blessings in your life. And in remembering God's blessings, don't forget God. It's so easy for us to focus on the blessings and not the blesser to focus on the gifts and not the giver, to be enamored by the creation and not the creator. But Moses is teaching them, like he said in verse 17, he said, Now say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. He's like, be careful of that attitude, this puffed up perspective that everything you have in life is from you or your own power, your own strength. He's like, no, 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 it's all from God. It's he who has given you everything. And that's a great lesson for us today. That What we have is because of a good Father God who loves us and blesses us both here and in the future. I don't know if, if you remember or you've noticed this before, but perhaps those of you who are in a small group and went through the book of Nehemiah, would, this would trigger something in your memory. But all throughout the Old Testament, the children of Israel are celebrating all these feasts. In Nehemiah, we saw the Feast of the Booths and the Feast of Tabernacles. There's all kinds of feasts and celebrations and, and memorials. Why does God give them all these feasts to keep? It's a long list of feasts, honestly. You'd probably gain a lot of weight if you were going to all these feasts. Why did God give them all these feasts? Because he wanted them to remember. Each feast was important that they would celebrate so they would not forget a specific way that God had blessed them or led them or protected them or guided them. He built those feasts into their regular schedule and routine so that God's people would not forget the hand of God in their life and that in not forgetting and in remembering, it would spur them on to love and devotion for Christ. That's why we have the Lord's Supper here as a church. That in remembering God and his sacrifice for us and how he delivered us from our sin, we would be renewed and spurred on to a, a new love and devotion for Christ. And so as we close this afternoon, I want to tell you something. I want you to know that the outline from today's lesson, today's message, could be preached from like five or six, maybe more, different passages of Scripture. Now, at first glance, that statement is probably concerning. And most times, if a preacher tells you that he could preach his outline from any passage in Scripture, run and hide, okay? It usually means that it didn't, he didn't use the Bible to tell you what the Bible said. He, he took his own ideas and brought it to the passage, right? You could just open it up anywhere and say, we need to be saved and sanctified and serving and call it a message. That's, that's usually a scary thing. But I want you to hear me out. The reason why you could preach this outline from so many texts in the Bible is because it's a theme that's repeated so many times in the Bible. It's a pattern of thinking that God is trying to teach us in all different kinds of books, by all different kinds of authors, to different churches and people that have been passed on to us, written to others, but for us. God is teaching us a certain way to think. He's teaching us to remember. Remember who we were and what God did for us. Remember how God has led us through the wilderness of our life and remember the blessings God has promised us both here and forever in the future in heaven. He's teaching us how to think. He's through his word, he's teaching us to remember. So, I want to give you one quick example. I'm just going to read the passage and I want you to listen, all right? I want you to listen for these things. I want you to listen to see how God delivered us, what God has brought us through, and how God has blessed us, all right? I'm just going to read the passage, and you listen. See if you can find them, all right? It's from Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible says this, And you hath he quickened, made alive, 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we also had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Did you see it? You see how we were dead in our trespasses and sins? But God, who was in his great love and his mercy, has saved us. By grace are ye saved, that in the ages to come he would show forth the goodness of his loving kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. It's a pattern all throughout Scripture. And so I have some homework for you this week. This week is a very practical way to finish this message. As a challenge for you, here's what I'd like you to do. In your outline are three passages. One of them I just looked at. I, I, I stole a third of your homework already, all right? I've given you three passages, and, and my hope is that this week you'll go home, and throughout the week you'll read those three passages, and you'll look for this outline, how God's delivered us, what God's brought us through, and how God's blessed us, that you'll look for this pattern repeated in Scripture, that you'll allow what we've learned today to be reinforced through the reading of God's Word this week, and that you'll begin to think the way God wants us to think, that you'll be able to see these patterns in Scripture, and that hopefully in our heads and in our hearts we'll be spurred on to a renewed, renewed passion and devotion because of all that God has done for us. And so I hope you'll take me up on that challenge. Here's what I really hope. I hope you'll come to me next Sunday and say, I found another passage. Because there's, I'm sure, a whole lot more I didn't mention, all right? So there's an extra challenge if you're feeling up to it. Somebody come tell me another one that you found this week, because I'm sure there's more in Scripture. But that is my practical challenge for you. That this would help us to remember the Lord and his faithfulness to us. And that like Moses hoped with the children of Israel, stir us up to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds. Why? Because we go right back to the beginning. Why are anniversaries so important? Why is it so important to remember? Because forgetfulness is the enemy of passion. But remembering stirs the heart. So today I hope as we focus on the Lord and what he's done for us, where we were, where he's brought us through, and how he's blessed us, we'll be stirred up to love him in a way that we haven't loved him in a while. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you so much for listening.